1: Learn more at marines.com. Can you
2: believe that it is 74 days until the ADCC 2022 World Championships? That is right, 74 days. The clock is ticking. And it is only nine days until the Who's Next Finale. Which will feature the match between Isaac Michelle and Kyle Chambers for that ten thousand dollar cash prize and the three match WNO contract, as well as a match for the heavyweight belt. The who's number one heavyweight championship belt is on the line. Gordon Ryan versus Pedro Mourinho. That is the main topic of today's show. Myself, Hal Teague, and Corey Stockton. We're going to be talking about all that and much more. Because Corey, considering that it was America's birthday. The rest of the world didn't get the memo because there was no shortage of some really good grappling events.
3: Yeah, great time to be a Jiu-Jitsu fan. Four huge events over the weekend uh, with with some great results um, and a lot of ADCC implications, as I think every event from here on out will have.
2: Yeah, four events. So there were Raw Grappling in London, England. There was Honor Submission Challenge in Italy. There was the uh, UFC Invitational in Las Vegas and also there was the American Nationals, IBJJF American Nationals. Very fitting that it should be on the July 4th weekend, Very right?
3: Patriotic. <laughs> yeah,
2: fuck yeah. All right, well, let's get into it because before we get into the results, let's talk about some of the, the news that's happening today. As you can see on the sidebar today, you can see the topics for today's show. We have the news and results. We are talking about Honest Mission Challenge, which featured Mika Galvao, Felipe Pena, Fabricio Andre, and more. We'll be talking about Raw Grappling, the event from London. Hulk Barbosa, Lucas Hulk Barbosa, Theon Davis, Ash Williams, Diego Pato in action there. And then we'll begin into, of course, the Gordon Ryan-Pedro Mourinho match. And we'll be talking about 10th Planet, because these guys, man, they're, they've assembled an army for some of the upcoming events. So lots to talk about in today's show. Strap in, let's go. Don't forget, join us in the YouTube comments, in the live chat. We're monitoring that as we go. I can see there's plenty of conversation happening right now. Send us your questions as we're talking, and we'll do our best to respond to them in between those big stories. Let's kick things off. Let's get things going with the news. And uh, we'll just kind a quick hits today. DreamArt, one of the biggest teams in the world, are announcing they are officially opening a location here in North America in... Wow, pretty much on our doorstep, Houston, Texas.
3: Yeah, squad is, is very much growing, right? A team that used to be run out of one facility um, now has a couple. Um, and moving stateside, I think, is a, a big move for them. Um, a team that in 2021 at the World Championship had a hard time getting here.
2: So following in the footsteps of all of the other major teams in jiu-jitsu, DreamArt are expanding and they, um, they're basically creating an international presence because... Up until very recently, and bear in mind that this team, they've only been officially independent as a team since fall of 2021. DreamArt have up until now been based solely in Sao Paulo, Brazil. They had one affiliate gym run by one of their team members, Igor Schneider in San Antonio, Texas, but not really an official DreamArt facility in that sense. Uh, But they'll be opening this facility in houston texas and we've got a photo of it you can see the kind of the space that they're going to be running out of this is going to be in spring texas it's north houston it's about two and a half hour drive from us so very excited about that having this on our doorstep and right now we don't know who the main coach will be or which athletes will be based out of this gym but Corey, you have to imagine that if they are opening a facility of that size and that scale in north america that they're going to want to put some of their higher caliber athletes there
3: Right. DreamArt has a reputation for being an incredibly professional gym, right? And branching out to the, to the US and into Texas, uh, exactly. You have to imagine that it's going to be more premier athletes, uh, not just uh, DreamArt guys, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, athletes that will be flocking to DreamArt um, in, the, in the coming months.
2: Yeah, this is an opportunity, of course, that uh, as DreamArt expands, you have to think that they may be opening their doors to international athletes because up until now, DreamArt is a a squad composed of 100% Brazilian athletes and their uh, MO of acquiring athletes, uh, aspiring and -and up-and-coming athletes who are working their way up through the ranks and, and making them part of this professional squad, you have to think that that team being here in the United States will expand those opportunities to athletes based out of the States as well. Very exciting move there from DreamArt. Um, and yeah, as we get more news, we'll be sure to let you know. So, moving on from the DreamArt team to Melky Galvao's Fight Sports Club in Manaus. So, Melky Galvao, this guy is well known as the father of Mika Galvao. And Melky Galvao isn't just the father of a very good athlete. He's a very good coach to a team full of very good athletes, including Diogo Hayes, including Fabricio Andre, including Luis Paolo, including Brenda Larissa, and more. Now, they have had this relationship with Fight Sports Club uh, up until uh, uh, since last year or so, or possibly 2020. I forget exactly when, but Melky's team represents Fight Sports Club when they compete on the international scene. But little bit of context up until this year whenever they competed in abu dhabi or the uae jjf events that is the united arab emirates jiu-jitsu federation or the ajp tour when they competed in those events they represented the al wadia club which was a local team uh, that would sponsor them uh, to compete in those events well they've recently announced that they're partnering up with the commando group now for people outside of the Middle East, this might not mean a lot to them, Corey, but this is a significant move, right?
3: Yeah, and, and especially uh, given how dominant they were just at the at the recent World Pro, right? Four of them, as we see here, uh, won, won titles. Including? Including Miki Galvao, uh, Nathaniel Fernandez, Brenda Larissa, Diego Hayes. So the commando
2: group is one of the biggest and most powerful and most successful teams in Abu Dhabi. And the name kind of gives it away. It is kind of part of the armed forces because uh, a lot of people know that jujitsu is taught in the school system in Abu Dhabi. It is a mandatory physical education subject for all school students in the United Arab Emirates. Well, that jujitsu is also taught to soldiers on all military bases in the UAE as well. And a lot of the athletes who go to Abu Dhabi, some of them teach in schools, and they'll be teaching to elementary school kids, middle school kids, high school kids, but some of the athletes go and they teach the military. And they tend to be very high caliber athletes and they're not teaching little kids who don't want to be there. They're teaching literally trained killers. So it is an elite training facility and the commando group has, well, has long been known as one of the more powerful teams in Abu Dhabi. And I think this is a powerful acquisition in acquiring one of the the, the, the most powerful teams in Jiu-Jitsu and they will represent them on that local scene.
3: Yeah, I, I'd imagine no, uh, no one you want teaching your armed forces more than Miki Galvao and Melky Galvao.
2: And it's also about flying that flag, right? It's also about, you know, representing uh, a powerful team. You want the best athletes on your team. and But the, the, it opens that question, is it about sort of switching teams and stuff? This is almost like transfer season. This is almost like uh, an international soccer club, you know, signing a player or, you know, somebody switching, uh, you know, mid-season any major sports franchise this is no different but something a little bit unusual for a lot of people in the jiu-jitsu world
3: yeah we don't really have an off-season right or a trade deadline in jiu-jitsu as as you do in many uh organized sports but um there there does seem to be kind of a period in every year where people change teams or people kind of make make some moves maybe major affiliations make
2: moves as has happened here so Yeah, interesting to see exactly what uh, that means and and how many of Melky's team will see competing in, uh, in that circuit. The World Pro is coming up in November of this year. Of course, that's well after ADCC, but look for them to represent Commando Group when they do go to compete in Abu Dhabi. All right. So we're just getting through these results as quickly as we can here because we've got more to cover and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. But the next one we want to hit is the fact that at the recent UFC Invitational, now this was an event that took place in Las Vegas over the weekend. It was a quintet style team versus team challenge. And it featured various fighting promotions as the team. So you had Uriah Faber's fighting promotion. You had uh, Anthony Pettis, among others. And what they did was they assembled teams to go against each other in submission grappling matches. Well, Anthony Pettis reached out to Gordon Ryan and asked him if he would be able to gather some athletes. Well, gather some athletes he did. Gordon Ryan put together four members from the new wave team to represent. Uh, Anthony Pettis at the UFC Invitational, and they cleaned up.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you're putting together a squad, you can't think of any better than really a squad of three ADCC invitees uh, and another tough training room member at the at uh, at New Wave.
2: So the four team members you can see them here with Anthony Pettis from left to right: Christos Papadelos Daniel Manasoyu or AKA Big Dan, Oliver Taza, and Giancarlo Bodoni. Of those four, three of them were ADCC Trials winners.
3: That's right. Uh, Big Dan, Oliver Taza, and Giancarlo Bodoni all won. And I think they all won in different weight, weight categories as well.
2: So. Big Dan had a couple of uh, big matches uh, throughout uh, his tournament. He he picked up a number of quick submissions, but I got to say one of his most in- entertaining matches was that against Andy Varela. We'll talk about Andy a little later in today's uh, show, but wow, that was an incredible match. And Andy just went at him and you know just didn't didn't respect Dan's uh, dangerous submissions because Dan had hit a couple of really nasty subs in a row, and Andy just went out there fearless and went after him. Uh, Oliver Tarza submitted J Rod with a straight ankle lock that was a really interesting match and Giancarlo Bodoni had a great match with PJ Barge of 10th Planet as well so it was some really interesting results out of that one and uh and yeah uh something uh yeah congratulations to the new wave squad well, that's uh, almost it from the news and results, but we want to hit the American Nationals before we move on because the IBJJF American Nationals, Corey, now this has never quite had the same level of prestige uh, or status as maybe, let's say, one of the Grand Slam events such as Brazilian Nationals. But this year, seemed like the action was as good as ever.
3: Yeah, especially, uh, I mean, both the Gi and No Gi action were, were dialed in, but I saw a lot of really intense Nogi-specific uh, matches um, in both the, the brown and black belt divisions. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of really fast paced, a lot of wrestling up, um, a lot of leg locks, and, and um, Hunter Colvin especially stood out to me. He had three submissions in his three-match day uh, finished. I think all three rear-naked chokes uh, really flexed his wrestling. Um, one of the most... Not surprising results per se, but was uh, was that of Felipe Andrew, who had two heel hook victories. Oh um, yeah,
2: showing showcasing his developing leg lock game, actually. We'll see uh, that in just a minute. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so Felipe Andrew has... Uh, well, we've always known that he's had this really savage straight ankle lock, but uh, has actually lost um, by a heel hook in the past. It seems that he's maybe... Invested in that, uh, in that in that in part of the game, and well, the results speak for themselves. Absolutely, David Garmo here also won his division and took third in the
3: absolute. Um, Garmo, of course, a savage when he gets a, when he gets a chin strap on his opponent. Oh, he's a headhunter, yeah, right? For sure. Uh, but yeah, so, some some great results. Uh, we're going to see a little bit more. I think of Felipe Andrew here. Uh, this was the uh, Nogi absolute winner. Um, who had a really just mean knee bar at the, at the end, but this was the semifinal where he collected an equally kind of vicious straight ankle lock here.
2: Yeah, so this is uh, this is Thiago. Uh, excuse my pronunciation of his last name, but I want to say Saldanha and uh, a representative of Henzo Gracie, and, and he looked so sharp in that in, in those matches, right?
3: Yeah, he, he uh, ended up taking second in his weight category and uh, won a rematch against uh, against uh, Aaron Teagues in the final with just a vicious knee bar. You, hear, you heard it pop from across the room.
2: Ooh, and so that's a, a little bit of the, the best no-gi action. Let's take a look at this highlight featuring the best gi matches. And uh, I would like to know, really, what stood out for you from the gi matches here?
3: It was really just the, the kind of the, the pace and the intensity. Uh, we saw a little bit of Ronaldo Jr. He won his division. Um, and Felipe Andrew, again, of course, just in, in these these Opens and the, these American Nationals events, he is seemingly unbeatable, right? He's got such a, a fierce snap down, his, his back takes. He's developing his triangles. His ankle lock is world-class. Um, but and I'm
2: seeing a lot of familiar faces here. I'm seeing Elizabeth Clay. I'm seeing Michael Leary Jr. I'm seeing Caixinho. Obviously, we see there. Uh, oh, N- N- Natalie Hibero, Janaina Maya. We saw Felipe Andrew. It seems like the the big names came out for this one. And um, I, I, what, what what stood out to you results wise? Like who impressed you the most? Uh, Ronaldo Jr.
3: looked looked phenomenal. But I, I was really um, impressed by uh, the lightweight winner. Um, Michael Liera, who beat Pablo Lavaselli in the final, um, did a really good job of kind of uh, controlling the pace in all of his matches.
2: Wow. You see some absolute division matches here as well. <laughs> Love it. Love the back take there. Very, really creative stuff. Well, it just goes to show that the Gi season is, uh, is, is kind of transitioning into ADCC season, but there's still plenty of opportunities to get your Gi fix if you know where to look. Cool. Well, uh let's move on and let's hit some of the major international events that took place over the weekend, including, I think we should get into Honor Submission Challenge. So, Honor Submission Challenge was an event that took place in Sardinia, Italy, in the capital city of Sardinia, Cagliari. And for a a debut event in Europe, they made sure to invite some really big names including mika galvao including felipe pena and fabricio andre all victorious at the honor submission challenge and uh, we'll start off we'll uh, we'll run this highlight video of mika galvao because well all of them went undefeated and they competed in slightly different formats here is Mika Galvao opening his match. Twenty seconds into his opening match, and he's hitting a flying armbar. So Mika Galvao competed in a four-man tournament, winning two matches. And uh, I mean Mika Galvao, he just looks so sharp. I think that it's performances like this that it, it makes you realise that why Flippy, excuse me, why Mika Galvao is just so far ahead of everybody else.
3: Yeah, you know, for somebody who has such uh, what you might consider a high-risk game, right? Those high-flying techniques, those flying attacks, he's so precise. So even when he's taking big risks, nothing's ever out of place.
2: So this was the opening match, a rear-naked choke win against Jack Tiley. And then he followed it up with a match against Jed Hugh in the final of the four-man bracket. Jed Hugh scored a triangle against uh, Omer Emanuele of Israel uh, to qualify to go into the final against Mika. And you can see that Mika here, the guard pass into the top position. And I want you to pay attention not just to this mount transition right here. This is a really interesting way to step over into the mount. But I want you to pay attention to the way that Mika Galvao attacks for this mounted triangle. The head control, pinning the wrist to the ground, and then following Jed Hughes' motion, he drops off for this triangle from the back. So Pay attention to this, right? But this is a beautiful sequence.
3: Yeah, it, it's absolutely flawless uh, and, and really well calculated. Um, the, the exact step over from mount uh, and, and just, yeah, even, even the sneaking of the second leg in um, as if he's drilled this a thousand times.
2: So that was Mika Galvao's performance. And uh, we'll, we'll take a look at a similar sequence to that triangle in just a moment. But before we uh, go too deep, let's take a look at Felipe Pena. Because I think there are a lot of eyes on Felipe Pena uh, from this tournament. Because, of course, Felipe Pena has a very big match, August 7th, in Dallas, Texas. He's going up against Gordon Ryan in a no-time-limit, submission-only match. So people were very interested to see what Felipe Penna looked like because he is literally weeks away from that match. And as you can see, an absolute heat-sicking missile in getting onto the back of his opponent in the opening round. Again, a four-man tournament, catching the rear naked choke, and then having to deal with the very elusive, the very wily veteran wagner hosho
3: yeah something's never changed and Felipe pena looking for his opponent's back is one of them he's he's so good at getting there and finishing Uh, but wagner as as you might expect makes that very challenging For the most part, when Felipe got there uh, via overtime, he he made quick work.
2: So, yeah, to make it clear, that video right there of the rear naked choke against Wagner, so it went the distance, and then the rules of this event, they were submission only, but they had an EBI-style overtime round. Uh, Wagner had three minutes to attack from Felipe Felipe Penas' back first. He could not submit Felipe, but Felipe did not escape. But then when Felipe took the back of Wagner, he submitted Wagner in 32 seconds. So not only does Felipe still have the ability to teleport onto people's backs, but when he gets there, his finishing ability, two rear naked chokes in a row, still as good as ever.
3: That, that's something that he's been well-renowned for. That's the, kind of the, been the, the thorn in Gordon Ryan's side is uh, Felipe Pena's ability to get to the back and finish from the back. So um, if, if that's uh, any, any sign that Felipe Pena still does what he does best,
2: there you go. Look out. Look out. Well, the final performance that we want to highlight from Honest Mission Challenge is that of Fabrizio Andre. Let's roll this highlight video and you get to see the famous power-up at the beginning of the match. So he competed in a three-man round-robin tournament. He had two matches. This first match against Jack Sear of the UK. And I want to point out Philippe, excuse me, Fabrizio Andre's amazing footwork in passing the guard. And then... Again, pay attention to this, the mounted triangle, the wrist, pinning the wrist to the floor and the head control and stepping over into the mounted triangle. A slightly different finish, but an almost identical setup to what Mika used in his
3: match. Definitely looks like that's something that they've been working in that training room in Uh, Manaus. Fabrizio here finished it from the mount while Mika was able to transition to the back off of it, but the setup was identical um, and something that is very fitting of their overall grappling st- grappling style.
2: Now, this was a very short match against the Italian Alessio Sacchetti, uh, a strong grappler who had a good performance. And look at this. This is uh, just a couple of moments of this uh, <laughs> of this great scramble here. <laughs> the, the, the caption on Instagram said it well. He tried to Fabrizio Andre, Fabrizio Andre, <laughs> and he paid the price because he threw up the flying triangle. Fabrizio Andre was able to get out and then hit this really unusual armbar finish, which we've, again, we've seen Mika Galvão do. Do it. it looks so familiar
3: yeah the, their styles are, are very very similar and very um persistent at attacking specific things right they they attack the arm when their opponent turns away they attack the neck from the from the mount um the the milky galvao style i guess you could call it um is kind of identifiable when you watch it enough
2: yeah, there's something in the water there in Manaus. Those kids, so impressive. And uh, yeah, everybody going out there and putting on great shows. 100% submission rate for Mika Galvao, for Felipe Pena, and for Fabricio André. Uh, we have all the matches uh, on Flow Grappling. You can go back and watch all of those, and you can catch up on the action from the weekends. Because I imagine you're probably a little bit busy. <laughs> anyway, let's move on, and we'll talk about another of the major European events that went down over the weekend. That of Raw Grappling. Raw Grappling took place in London, England. This was their second event. Their first event took place at the end of 2021, featured a number of big names competing in an eight-man tournament and then also had Lucas Hulk Barbosa in a super fight. Well, this time it was just a series of super fights and it featured some really interesting talent. Let's, uh, Let's take a little look at this, shall we? Producer Tyler, if you would, please, can you bring up the first of the highlight videos? Let's take a look at Lucas Hulk, Barbosa's highlight video against that of Thomas Breacher. So, from the UK, representing Gracie Baja, a very powerful athlete, Thomas. Man, he went head-to-head with Hulk and kind of tested Hulk's wrestling a little bit. You know, you could see he was a little bit chippy there, the aggressive hand-fighting. Thomas certainly not backing down from... Hulk, who has a reputation of physically imposing himself on his opponents, Thomas showed no feature in going headfirst into his opponent, but this is the Hulk show. And Hulk did what he does best. Got top position, using his wrestling, managed to pass the guard, and then, after getting the back, finished with another one of those armbar triangles from the back an attack that we're seeing again and again here, Corey.
3: Yeah, I think uh, arm bars are resurging, but especially in a position as dominant as the rear, the rear triangle, uh, the arm bar is, is almost indefensible. Right, you're so exposed. Uh, but re- really excited to see that, that Thomas Bracher brought it to Hulk this way because we get we consistently get the best version of Lucas Barbosa when he's physically um, when he meets a physical test.
2: You're right, yeah. it's uh, That is that is when Hulk raises his game. Somebody comes to him uh, with that kind of energy, and he'll match it, and he'll show what he's really made of. So credit to Thomas Britcher for putting on a great show there, going down, fighting, but we love that. Right. Now, let's uh, hear a little bit from Hulk, because in his post-match interview, quite an interesting uh, sort of tease that he gave. Now, we've reported on this in the past that Hulk has signed an MMA contract with PFL, who are known as one of the bigger organizations here in the United States. It's interesting, we haven't seen him fight yet, but that could happen pretty soon. Play the tape and uh, let's take a listen to this.
1: You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting everything that, you know, it's, you know, that they invite me, and I'm really focused on doing Geet right now, Oh, no Geet right now, you know, I'm pretty much wanna, you know, in 280cc, I wanna keep it like that, just no Geet. And, you know, who knows, any, any event, hit me up, How I'll, I'll be down maybe MMA, <laughs> I, I might do an MMA fight like before ADCC and you know I'm looking forward to it because MMA is like no gi as well and uh, it's you know so there's no evolve with the gi it's a different like different set I have to uh, you know get used to with some movements but I'm pretty confident my game is like the same as fighting no gi so you know that the, the only thing the only exception that I would take it if, if, if it showed because I have contract with PFL and if the only thing that if they give me a fight before ADC, i would do it but it have to be planned it have to be at least like a month before so who, who knows let's see let's see kind of
2: bold if you ask me for lucas Holt barbosa to try and slide in an mma fight right between now and adcc as we mentioned there are only 74 days as of today until ADCC and of course he would need some time to get ready for an MMA fight you know at least at the very least to drop the weight let alone train for the fight. and then of course he would need time to recover before competing at ADCC September 17th so Hulk as he said there the MMA fight would need to be sometime in August but it's very possible we could see Hulk dust off the gloves
3: yeah, some guys compete best when they compete often right? and Hulk definitely strikes me as one of, those, one of those athletes where if he's constantly being challenged, he's constantly pushing forward
2: let's take a look at the next uh, highlight from uh, Raw Grappling and that of course was Fionn Davis so Fionn Davis she went out there, uh, last minute replacement against Victoria Vieira she was originally scheduled to compete against Bianca Basilio, that match wasn't able to take place but Fionn went out there and she does what she did best, arm drag to the back Top control, domination, and then a submission via armbar. A trending submission, you think, Corey?
3: Yeah, this is a clinical performance from Fionn, who has uh, one of the best armbars uh, in, in really any division. She, she's so tight that judo background and uh, her armbar from Mount is really gnarly. And it looks like she is definitely getting prepared for another run at ADCC.
2: So speaking of ADCC, now that match between Bianca Basilio and Fionn, that was the final in 2019. And everybody was expecting this match to happen at Raw Grappling. Well, now we believe that the only way that we're going to see that match is in September at ADCC in a no-gi situation. Well, kind of interesting because now she's going to be doing her camp with JT Torres at Essential Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, she's technically an Atos athlete, as is Bianca Basilio. And It makes me wonder if, in the bracket, whether they're going to actually be matched up to compete second round in the semi-final, as opposed to the final.
3: You know, I think everybody wants to see that match, and for for my money, the earlier we see it, the better. Let's make sure we get that, and then see whichever one of them pushes through.
2: Well, something to think about. But let's take a uh, let's take a quick look at the interview with Fion as well, because she talks a little about Bianca and about her plans for ADCC in September.
0: I was very, very nervous in the lead-up. I don't know, I felt like quite um, anxious beforehand, more than normal, so I'm just glad it's over there. <laughs> I'm really grateful to Victoria for, for stepping up and stepping in on such short notice, because um, there was difficulty finding a new replacement that close, uh, but then there's ADCC and I'm looking forward to that. And. Uh, I mean, maybe we'll just you know, it's a long time since we fought last, so that'll be that'll be good to see how things are. Now. Um, I'm hoping to do something else in August, like maybe another show um, or another tournament, just something to keep the momentum going. Because I like to stay active and competing. So COVID was like that uh, So uh, I'm trying to get as much in as possible now, so just make sure my nerves are under control because I get very yeah, you're anxious. Gonna,
4: you're gonna do your camp with uh, JT Torres for DC? Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I'm really excited for that. I think it'll be really motivating to be around someone who's won it twice. So uh, I'm very excited for that and and one of my friends is coming out to to train. Um, and I'm, I'm just really looking forward to the, the training and, and getting in the zone for it.
2: So there you have it. But uh, yeah, she's going to be training with JT Torres. And I think that just being in the same room as a two-time ADCC champion, that that kind of confidence, that kind of energy is going to definitely rub off. So an interesting choice for uh, Fion to link up with JT. Uh, definitely caught us a little by surprise, but it's not surprising in the grand scheme of things no it makes a lot of sense
3: to to prepare with somebody who is that good at preparing for this tournament right jt famously doesn't compete very often but when he does he prepares in such a precise manner that he's always on top of his game for for the exact right time in september
2: so, something I'm very happy about. Uh, so, obviously, people realize I am British, but maybe not everybody realizes that I'm from Wales. And uh, Wales is a very small country with only a population of 3 million people, but it has a really healthy and a really, really strong and growing jujitsu scene. Now, Fionn Davis recently won the gold medal at the IBJJF World Championships, becoming not only the first British black belt to win IBJJF Worlds, but also the first Welsh black belt. Well, another top black belt competing out of Wales, who is also qualified for ADCC in September is Ashley Williams. So Ash Williams had a really interesting match against Chago Macedo. Now, he was originally slated to compete against Gabriel Souza. That match fell through. Chago Macedo was brought in as a last minute replacement. And roll this highlight tape because Ash Williams went out and he put on a really, a really impressive show against a very tough, almost Houdini-like escape artist in Chago Macedo. Now, Corey, Ash, literally threw everything including the kitchen sink at Thiago in this match
3: yeah and and tiago is as you mentioned a a little bit of a of a defense artist but he's so good at defending attacks that most people don't even get into these these attack positions on tiago so for ash to be able to uh to turn it up and to get into these locked triangles get onto the back uh just start attacking arm bars get underneath the legs it really really speaks to just how good ash williams is not just as a european grappler but as a grappler full stop
2: I can't tell you how happy it makes me to see an athlete like ash williams flying the red flag the red dragon the whale's flag on his back there the best flag in the world i don't care what anybody says we've got it but yeah ash williams man he put on a uh, a great show but look at this Thiago macedo had his own moments you know he almost got in this anaconda choke really late in the match that was actually right before the overtime period i want to say but uh taking the win by decision was ashley williams and uh, i think it was just very interesting to see the the variety of tags that he used as well you know he, as we saw flying triangle target plada, really choke a little bit of everything now ashley williams has been chipping away at those big names for a while now he's currently sat number 10 in the rankings at 145 pounds and as you'll hear now in this interview clip he's saying that next up he just wants to keep cracking away at those big names and especially he's got his sights on adcc roll the tape please tyler
5: Uh, It's no other belt to me, is my performance and going out there and doing my best jiu-jitsu. Obviously holding the title for a promotion is always a privilege uh, which brings pressure, but it always allows me to go back to that show and get a top tier name, so I'm looking forward to getting one of the best guys in the world to defend the title. and I've said for ages, you know, with ADCC, like win or lose at this stage, I'm fine-tuning, I'm improving my skill set, I'm working from top bottom, uh, everything, everything. So uh, it was great to perform on that stage. Um, I've got to be honest, I I really just want any of the top ten in the world, you know. Um, I always say in the UK, you know, we get classes like one of the best, one of the best in the UK, and I'm stepping on the stage against the world's best every month, you know, every couple of months. Um, so, I don't know what I've got to do to solidify myself among one of the best in the world. But if you keep giving them those guys to me that are considered best in the world, then I can keep trying to take them out one by one and prove that I'm uh, up, uh, up among the best.
2: So, Ashley's going to be competing in the under 66 kilogram division come September. And uh, as we were talking about this earlier, we were looking at the lineup for 66. And... Uh, It's just full of firecrackers, right?
3: Yeah, Ash wants a shot at the top 10. He's going to get it at ADCC. Like, (laughs) there's there's nobody in the ADCC invite list that under 66 that is not a top 10
2: ranked guy, except for
3: maybe the top 16 guys, right? And as
2: a trials winner, he's almost guaranteed to be matched up with a top 10 guy first round. So from there on, he's going to have his wish and then some at ADCC. So... The last performance we want to highlight is that of Diego Pato versus Ethan Cranston. Now, this acted as a very good preview for the under 66 kilogram division. You can roll the tape while we're talking about this because it's one of those matches, one of those rare matches where they actually suffered from being a submission only match because it was so even in the action and there were so few significant moments enjoyed by either grappler so evenly matched that unfortunately one of those matches where the decision didn't really mean that much. Now of course Pato I'm sure he feels that he deserved it he took the decision in this one but I don't think anybody would have been mad had this match been called a draw.
3: No, and it's because both these guys, you don't need to give them submission-only rules to make this a submission-only match, right? Both Pato and Ethan fight for the submission. That's what thats what they're after. That's what they're looking for. So as, as you said, maybe putting points on this match would have given some indication of, okay, this person's winning, so the other person has to try something or... Uh, so, sometimes these things happen, but nonetheless, the, such similar styles, right? Both very capable leg attackers, both very capable back attackers, both very capable wrestlers. And so sometimes, you know, styles make fights.
2: Very true. I guess they kind of cancel each other out a little bit here. We were uh, denied a definitive kind of answer in this match, but uh, it does give us an idea of what to expect at 66, and I just think it highlights how... Evenly match the competitors are this year in ADCC 66 kilogram division, and Pato himself knows that because he was treating this match as almost as a, a sort of a preview of what to expect for himself come September. Roll the tape, and you'll hear it.
5: I'm really really happy to to get this like the, this win because. Um, this is a test for ADCC, Ethan going to be on my division, so yeah, now just get ready
2: for ADCC and the other guys on my brackets. Alright, short clip there from uh, Diego Pato, but uh, yeah. And, you know let's say do the talking, that guy what, right. one
3: thing to know here about uh about that match uh, versus ethan that was ethan's first match since may 2021
2: wow that's a great point actually yeah so of course ethan had a uh, a serious knee surgery in uh 2021 took him out of action for a long time and it's been a long road back from injury through all the rehab and stuff from the training and um yeah i remember seeing because uh, it's kind of funny because I go and I work out at a Gold's gym here in Austin, Texas. It's literally, literally next door to B-team. And the amount of times I go in there and I'll see Nicky Rods working on the biceps <laughs> or, you know, Isaac Michelle and Nicky Ryan are hanging out, doing something or other. <laughs> I would always see Ethan on the thigh master. He'd always be <laughs> on that machine. You always see the chicks on, you know, kind of working like the sort of the thigh muscles. I mean, he was doing it as part of his rehab, but I, it was always hilarious. I would always see Ethan and he's just there working the buns. I'm sure, <laughs> so. he's got a good squeeze. <laughs> I bet, I bet, yeah. Well, that's it from Raw Grappling. Again, we have all the match highlights, interviews, replays, and more. You can go check those out on the site. And just to respond to uh, a couple of the YouTube comments here. Now, Breeze asks a good question. Why would Hulk take a fight a month before ADCC rather than after? Sounds like a really scatterbrained move. It is a good question. I feel like it's a bold move to take MMA fight before ADCC. If ADCC is such a big goal, why would you want to compromise that? But at the same time, if you've got an MMA contract, he might not be in a position to say no.
3: Could be. Who knows?
2: Could be. Uh, yep, we're we'll seeing other comments here. GS is uh is feeling good for Fionn to win ADCC. We'll see about that. And we also got some paddle fans in the uh, oh no, How it wasn't it wasn't Ethan's this first match. He did Eric Bigfoot, thank you very much for correcting us. That was Ethan's last grappling match last year. But you are correct that he did go and win. Combat Jiu Jitsu. Beginning of June. Uh just a couple yeah. of weeks ago, exactly. So thank you very much for the correction and sorry Ethan for getting that wrong. That was a good performance as well from Ethan. Slap the shit out of some guys. So <laughs> that was pretty good. All right. Let's move on because there's still more to talk about. And I think this is time now for the big story. I think this is what all you guys are tuning in for now. We got two hundred and fifty people in the live stream and the chat's been firing with lots and lots of questions all about Gordon Ryan. So, as the title says at the bottom of the screen, Gordon, Ryan, and Pedro Mourinho will compete for the WNO heavyweight title belt. Now, who's number one fans will know that that title, up until recently, belonged to Tim Spriggs, who claimed it by winning the WNO championship in September of last year with probably one of his career best performances. Yeah,
3: he was a plus 4,000 underdog in that event. Uh, came back and had two submissions, including a heel hook over Kainen
2: Duarte. So, it's been brought up a couple of times in interviews. Gordon Ryan has brought it up. Pedro Mourinho has uh, has referenced it as well. But we're making it official right now that the winner of this match on July 14th between Gordon Ryan and Pedro Mourinho will walk away with the WNO heavyweight title belt around their waist. Why is that? When Tim Spriggs was the title holder. Well... Let's just kind of go back a little bit so tim spriggs was one of the team coaches and uh, on the who's next series and everybody expected tim Cr- tim spriggs to face off with craig jones at the who's next finale have those team t- those two team coaches go head to head on that finale red versus blue and settle <laughs> that that rivalry that grudge that's going on there craig jones did his absolute best taunt tim throughout the film in that series to get into his head to get into his skin to make him take that match tim was having none of it
3: yeah and you know you you can uh try and convince somebody to fight all you want you can have a great t-shirt guy for example <laughs> but uh, if, if uh, tim tim refused the contract and
2: we're here so here we are indeed now tim's Briggs said that he was that, 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 excuse me, that Craig Jones, a match with Craig Jones was beneath him as who's number one heavyweight champion. That Craig Jones had tried and failed to win the WNO light heavyweight title against Pedro Mourinho earlier that year. And Tim was saying, I'm the heavyweight champ. I want matches against people like Gordon Ryan, Andre Galvao, bring me the best. Well, we tried to make that happen. We tried to make that happen. And truth is that the, just the conversation would not progress past a certain point. And it was unlikely, pretty much impossible, for Tim Spriggs to defend that WNO title belt in one calendar year of winning it, September in 2021. That it was no way to get him versus an opponent that he wanted to face, let's say, between now and September, of course, when ADCC. So the title was vacated, And now, it is up for grabs. Gordon versus Pedro will compete for the title on July 14th. And, well, let's hear from Gordon Ryan a little bit, I think, because we have an interview clip of him talking about this match and about the the situation with Tim. Let's hear it from Gordon quickly.
4: Um, Yeah, so the Pedro match uh, came to fruition because of the fact that uh, Tim Spriggs was calling me out um to a match and uh tim spriggs is is another guy who i fought at adcc 2019 i fought him in the second round and i took his back in like two minutes and then strangled him um and he was saying that he doesn't want to compete against anybody besides andre or me because we're the two best guys um and i was dealing with stomach issues at the time so i wasn't competing so he called me out and i you know we were going back and forth i was like you know hold my belt while while i'm sick and when i get back i'll i'll fight you for it and you know so we were going back and forth. He was saying he's ready for the match. He declined the match with Craig. He he declined the match with everyone besides me or Andre. And obviously, Andre's retired. Um, So uh, then I start getting a little bit better. I'm like, hey, Tim, let's have a match. And he's like, no. And uh, he's like, I'm not, you know, the the normal stuff. I'm not available on that day or this. And, uh, you know, so they basically gave him free reign to pick whatever date he wants. Um, And obviously... When you're fighting me, you're making more money than you would make otherwise. Um, he's just like flat out, no, I don't want the match. Uh, so uh, now that Tim declined the match against me for the heavyweight belt, they're stripping him of the belt. And now Pedro is the 205 champion. So now he is the, uh, he's, can potentially be the double champion of 205 and heavyweight. So now me and Pedro are fighting for the heavyweight belt, and then I'll fight Felipe for the heavyweight belt um, after I beat Pedro the next month. So...
2: As Gordon said, when presented the opportunity to face off Gordon Ryan, Tim Spriggs just would not move ahead and discuss terms. So holding a title belt is not enough. A champion has to defend their title. And this is the question. Is Tim Spriggs being stripped? Well, how can you have a champion who's not going to defend their title?
3: Yeah, I mean... Wh- Stripped by inactivity is something every organization does, right? And if you're inactive and refusing
2: to be active, it's time to crown a new champion. It's literally, it's that simple. So as a result, the belt now will be contested between Gordon Ryan and Pedro Mourinho on July 14th. Now, Mourinho, as we mentioned, he became the WNO light heavyweight champion in January of this year after a decision win against Craig Jones and a very strong performance, very careful performance, but. A pretty one sided decision win. Now, Gordon Ryan, despite the fact that he has a perfect 5 0 record in Who's Number One, he's never held a title in the organization.
3: Right. And a lot of that's because he really hasn't been in a position to hold a title, right? He uh, has, has been taking fights against, um, he, he has had to take fights against athletes who maybe aren't worthy of a title shot against Gordon. and, and
2: Or out uh, of his weight class, right. or he was unable to compete because of his stomach problems. There are a, there's a laundry list of reasons. But Gordon is back. Gordon is ramping up for ADCC. He's got the match of Pedro on July 14th. He's got Felipe Penner on August 7th. He's got ADCC at the end of September. So Gordon obviously has a plan for the next couple of months. But let's not count out Pedro Mourinho because... He has an opportunity to join Tyro Tolo in becoming the second, only the second, who's number one, champ champ. Because tyro Tolo holds both the 170 and the 185 title belts. And Mourinho has said that if he is successful, he already holds a 205 title. If he wins the heavyweight title, that he would even consider cutting weight and dropping down to 185 to become the champ champ champ.
3: <laughs> Pedro has some... Lofty goals, and we love to see it, uh, especially you know, Craig Jones was five and zero when he uh, when he fought Pedro for the title. Gordon five and zero. Ty, I think seven and zero at this point. Uh, but Pedro has has is developing at least a knack for knocking off guys with perfect records.
2: So there's a lot of conversation about this in the chat. A lot of questions asking what's up with Spriggs. Well, where where does this leave sprigs Truthfully. Nobody's really sure of his intentions right now because his his focus seems to have shifted to pro wrestling. He hasn't had a grappling match since September of last year when he competed at the Houston Ballet Championship, and he's been focused on pro wrestling since then. So he is scheduled to compete at ADCC in September. He could potentially face Craig Jones in the under ninety nine kilogram division because Craig Jones moved up from under eighty eight. Mo Jassim even said on Instagram Live earlier today he will not make Tim Spriggs versus Craig Jones first round, but he would consider it second round. <laughs> so we could see that match happen there. But the, the truth is, beyond that, we're not really sure what Spriggs' long-term grappling plans are.
3: No, and, and as, far as, uh, Tim is, as far as Tim has said, with the exception of ADCC, he's retired. So we've got to take that, take that for what it is, and uh, the sport needs to move forward.
2: Going out on a high, going out by winning the Who's Number One Championship, career best performance, you know, that he adds that to his title collection, such as, uh, you know, Nogi World Champion, Who's Number One Champion. You can't take that away from him. Those achievements will stand forever. Those wins are oppressive. And he will go down as the first ever title holder of the Who's Number One heavyweight belt. And you have to think that should he decide to return, potential matches with the new title holder could await him would love
3: to see that title shot one way or the other no matter who is the defending champion um Craig Jones uh, uh, Tim Spriggs for the heavyweight belt is is a uh is, is a must must watch match
2: well fans would love to see it whether it's Craig Jones whether it's Gordon Ryan or whoever else I'm sure people would love to see Tim back in action and let's hope that uh, that happens sooner than later but as we mentioned July 14th that match between Pedro and Gordon, will be for the heavyweight title. Lots of comments, lots of interest in the YouTube chat. Let's just uh, address a couple of them quickly before we move on. And so you can see that Amadeus Diamond here says that Spriggs is running away from Craig Jones. Says that he can't blame him at all. Carlos Diaz is asking if, uh, if it's official that Spriggs has vacated the title. No, the title has been vacated on his behalf. Let's say it that way. And. Can you get stripped from choosing to not compete? I mean, as Corey said, that you can't become a title holder and not defend the title. That is the same goes for any organization. Inactivity results in a title being vacated and being put up for grabs by those willing to compete. Is Andre versus Gordon still happening at ADCC? Asks Wannabe Reto. Well, as far as we know, yes, Andre Galvao has started his ADCC camp. He is in training for that super fight on September, in uh, the last weekend in September, September 17th, 18th. Gordon Ryan, I mean, yeah, barring any calamitous injury, you know, he signed up for both the super fight and the over-99-kilogram division. So, yes. And then you see some uh, some comments here from Castier says that Pedro is super tough. I mean, yeah, he beat Greg yeah. Jones, you know? So... This, uh, this there's a lot to say about this match between uh, Gordon and Pedro. We're looking forward to it. You know, we'll talk about it a lot next week in next week's show. It is literally happening in nine days' time. And it's going to be Thursday, July 14th as the uh, main event of the, uh, of the Who's Next finale. So don't miss that one. All right. Final story for today. We're going to talk about 10th Planets. 10th Planets, Man, these guys... They have just expanded across the world now. I asked Eddie Bravo actually, how many 10th planet schools there were around the world. And he said he has no clue, he (laughs) lost count. He said that the organization, the system as he calls it, the 10th planet system has grown so much that there are black belts in the 10th planet network that he's never even met. Because it used to be that Eddie Bravo promoted all of those black belts. And now his black belts are creating black belts. And it's just going on and on from there. And the team has picked up a lot of momentum, I would say, over this last year or two. And they will be sending no less than eight competitors to ADCC 2022. Let's uh, take a little look at this graphic that we have here that highlights all of the ADCC competitors this September. Talk us through who we got here, Corey.
3: ADCC trials winner, West Coast trials, trials winner, Keith Krikorian, uh, Gio Martinez, Andy Varela, PJ Barsh, John Blank, Kyle Baim, Vinnie Magalais, and
2: Elvira Karperainen. So this is a powerful lineup right here. And as you said, you've got trials winners, Keith Krikorian, Kyle Bain. You've got the invites. and the, well, you, Let's say the veterans. You've got uh, John Blank, Gio Martinez, and Vinny Magalais. And then you've got... Uh, and, and Alvarez. Who, she's a, a veteran as well. And then you've got Andy Varela and PJ Bartsch who earned invites as a result of their impressive performances at ADCC Trials uh, events. Now, they've got somebody in every division here save for the women's heavyweight division but every male weight division is represented and one of the women's weight divisions as well so 10th planet these guys they they never had more than one or two competitors at adcc every year and it's a bit unusual to see that sort of that growth or all of a sudden this arrival of 10th planet so now believe it or not These guys are actually the second biggest, excuse me, the joint second biggest team at ADCC in September. Atos are the number one team. They've got 11 competitors in total. And then Fight Sports have eight, as do 10th Planet. That's some serious growth.
3: Yeah, that's a a major squad coming from uh, what used to be a team that, as you said, would send one or two. And they're not just sending eight athletes, they're sending eight athletes who any of them could really hit the podium
2: let's talk about then the two most recent invites let's talk about andy varela and pj Barch. so these guys were the most recent announcements to join in the 77 kilogram division so varela took the silver medal at the adcc west coast trials in his hometown of las vegas and pj Barch took third at that tournament and fourth at the east coast trials so their performances were impressive enough Uh, made such an impression, let's say, on the ADCC organizers that it resulted in an invite. Now, we have a little training highlight here of Andy Varela in action. You went to see Andy last week in Las Vegas at 10th Planet, and this is just a, a brief glimpse of, I think, why the ADCC organizers were so keen to invite this competitor to the 77 kilogram division.
3: Yeah, uh, Andy does not slow down, and that's from feet to floor. His wrestling is insatiable. His uh, his uh, groundwork, right? He's constantly hunting uh, new, unique kind of high risk submissions, um, and I-, I think that's something that we get whether it's in the training room or on the uh, on the competition mask a lot of this, the stuff he was trying and training looked a lot like what I think sealed the
2: deal was his match versus P.J. Bartch at West Coast Trials. So yeah, Andy's uh, an interesting grappler because he doesn't have anything representing representing what you would could have called the traditional 10th Planet system. You know, he's got great wrestling. He's got a really, really mean front headlock game, front choke game, and uh, it's it's not the kind of the the typical let's say 10th planet system which a lot of people think of is nowadays they just think rubber guard half guard truck right well 10th planet the system has grown the network has grown you've got so many different styles represented among the team and andy varela is a great example of one of those kind of athletes and
3: i think andy guys like andy and pj are on the cutting edge of what 10th planet looks like now modern 10th planet right wrestling heavy leg lock heavy uh, a lot of Darsh chokes, a lot of back attacks. So they are they are really leading the way for Ten Planet.
2: Andy Varello is a, a fierce competitor. You know we've seen him on action in in many different events. He's going to also compete here next week on the Who's Next finale. He's going to be uh, in a match against uh, ADCC Trials under eighty eight kilogram winner Jake. Rodriguez, J-Rod, and that's gonna be a crazy match. Really looking forward to that one. Varela is so obviously sights set on ADCC, sights out on the match with J-Rod, but uh, you got to speak to him a little bit in Vegas, and uh, maybe one we'll more Ronald's clip and just hear what he had to say. Yeah, let's hear from Andy himself.
3: As far as I can remember, maybe the most 10th planet athletes have ever seen at ADCC. Yeah. What do you think has caused that surge of just like high level in 10th planet athletes? All making it to ABCC in the same year?
1: I think that most implanted athletes came straight like Nogi every day, and I think that played a huge part of it is that we are pretty much just used to it and putting all our so I think we we're able to catch up pretty quick to all the top guys, you know. Um, and for the most part, it's pretty crazy because there's different styles from like all the top guys. Like if you look at all ten, 10 the top ten, top kind of ten guys, they all have kind of different styles. So it's kind of crazy to see how there's been a guy from like pretty much every state, at least, to come up and start competing with the guys on the top level.
2: So yeah, as I said, Varela is a fierce competitor. Uh, I highly recommend if you get a chance to watch his match with big dan from the ufc invitational last week because that was just a showcase of, of varela just going forward great blast double really effective guard passing and uh, you can see all that and more in the training rounds that you uploaded but for me a, a, a big part of varela as well is his mentality
3: yeah he he Goes for the kill and there's no really getting in his way. He doesn't back down for any match, whether that's, um, as I mentioned, the West Coast Trials, a teammate in P.J. Barge or um, a a really like highly reputable um, competitor like uh, Majid Hage or even Big Dan. Right. He's pushing forward no matter what.
2: So speaking of his teammate, PJ Bartsch. So PJ also got the call up to the under 77 kilogram division. We can play this clip here. This was from actually the ADCC West Coast Trials in Las Vegas. And PJ, his nickname, his nickname, one of the best nicknames is the Butter Panther because of his smooth moves. And he really does have very, very slick grappling, a great top player, fantastic wrestling, excellent work rates, really slick submissions. And PJ Bartsch, if, he and Varela make it out of the first round. They would have to meet in the second round under ADCC rules at the tournament. Now, this is something that they've done before. They don't train together. They train Las Vegas and San Diego, so it's not like they're daily training partners. No issue in facing off at the trials. I'm sure it will be the same at the World Championships. But Barge and, and Varela, I see some similarities between the two stylistically, as you mentioned. The great headhunters using kind of like you know guillotine attack, front headlocks and stuff, but. Very different competitors, I would say, overall. How so? Well, you look at the kind of the style of Varella, pure aggression, goes out there, tries to break his opponents. Barge, always a high work rate, but I would say just a touch more finesse to his grappling skills.
3: Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I um but you look at their their finishing rate, right? Um and they're both are very high finishers just Right, created by different um, approaches to the grappling game.
2: Big fan of P.J. Bartsch. And we've got an interview with him on the site, actually, where he talks about the prospect of being called up to ADCC. And he talks a lot about how he, he analyzes his past performances at the ADCC trials. He's very open about his failings. He's very open about the fact that he feels that he wasn't his best version of himself. He analyzes his mistakes, and he talks about what he's done to fix that. But he also talks about the prospect of entering... The seventy-seven kilogram division, which is, I think, almost universally regarded as one of the toughest divisions at this year's tournaments. Here from PJ.
0: As far as the performances go, and then some big wins over some guys that, that are really tough, you know, and, and submission wins and things like that, and and showing up and just doing the right things at the trials and, and showing up to all of them and, and doing my best and
1: and uh, you know that's that's all that really like uh, the the ADCC crowd looks for is
2: like people showing up, people people putting on performances, people beating the right guys and and. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I do. I think I have a good shot.
1: The 77 kilograms is stacked for sure, man. It's, it's a, it's actually really exciting. It's really exciting to me. I've competed with a lot of the guys that are in the, in the bracket, you know, and I've had matches with quite a few of them and guys that did good in the past too, like, um, Dante Leone is, is a guy that I think placed at 77 three years ago. And, uh, and I've had good, good close matches with him this past year. And so I feel like I fit right in at 77.
2: I don't think anybody disagrees. I think that PJ does fit in very well with that 77 kilogram division, as does Varela. And I just wanted to highlight a really good comment here from the YouTube live chat as well from Chad D about how people with a wrestling background who want to continue grappling have gravitated towards 10th Planet no-gi system. And they're just now making their way to the black belt stage, i.e. Barch and Varela. And that's a very interesting point because the whole Nogi phenomenon is a relatively recent thing. And a lot of people think that that's John Danaher and Gordon Ryan. But Eddie Bravo has been champion of no-gi grappling of a no of a pure no-gi jiu-jitsu school for many many years now. And up until recently, it was actually kind of rare to find high-level jiu-jitsu schools that focused purely on nogi grappling, right?
3: Right, and especially uh, uh, schools that were uh, friendly to wrestlers, right? For such a long time, um, not just 10th Planet, but jujitsu in general was very guard-heavy without really having a way to transition the guard into wrestling. I think the moment that the guard became a wrestling position, those wrestlers really started to thrive. And, and that's what we're seeing right now, is wrestling up from, from a nogi vantage point is a necessary skill. And you're telling wrestlers now that they can wrestle from from the guard, that takes away their weakest position.
2: Yeah. So yeah, just the, the whole kind of philosophical concept of no gi grappling appealed to wrestlers looking to sort of transition into jujitsu. And it made sense that many of them would find their, their place in the tenth planet network, and we're now seeing the results of those guys are making it through onto the biggest competitions in the world. So Let's uh, talk about another 10th Planet competitor because we mentioned about how they're in the mix for both ADCC and the Who's Next Finale. We mentioned a little bit how Varela will compete on the Who's Next Finale on July 14th. Well, another 10th Planet competitor who is also in action on July 14th at the Who's Next Finale is Kyle Chambers. In the main event. In the finale against Isaac Michelle. Red versus Blue. They fought their way through... The tournament on the show and now they will face off for the ten thousand dollar cash prize and three match contract with who's number one so play this tape a little bit because you can actually see this is recent training footage from 10th planet featuring kyle chambers on top there doing his thing and i just want to mention about how we haven't seen much of chambers over the last couple of months because he broke his hand very badly earlier this year really close to ADCC trials actually that's why he didn't compete at trials he had been working out really hard for it he'd been training hard working on his wrestling and unfortunately broke his hand on the mat well he's back he's competed at some small local tournaments there in southern california and you can see here from these rounds well he's Looking back to his old self.
3: Yeah, and this would make a great redemption opportunity, right? Missing missing the opportunity to compete at ADCC, but uh, he's in probably the the biggest opportunity of his life in the who's, who's next finale against Isaac Michelle, uh, and uh, maybe not uh, the greatest consolation for missing ADCC, but. A huge consolation nonetheless to win $10,000, a three match, who's, who's number one
2: contract. Come on, man. That's Andy
3: Grappler's dream
2: is to have a $10,000 cash prize and a who's number one contract. ADCC can wait another two years as one of his teammates can get that shine. But no, Chambers, Chambers is locked and loaded. He's fully focused on this who's next finale against Isaac Michel. And we just have a quick interview clip here with some words from Carl Chambers. Take it away, please.
1: Yeah, man, I like a lot of things about Alex. I like his, uh, I was say Alex, Isaac. Like, he's really good pressure, man. He has really good wrestling. I like how he has good cardio. He always puts it on his opponents, man. He has really good finishing ability. He's very similar to me in a lot of aspects of that, but we also have different styles, which is really interesting for our matchup because I feel like he's in more of a top game, take your back, you know, nice little duck unders and stuff like that. And I'm more of a guard player, so I feel like it, it's a clash of two styles. I, I like a lot of things. I see a lot of his strengths, which is really, just really good fundamental jiu-jitsu. You know, he has really good technique technique and high understanding of the movements that he does, but I feel like there is a little bit of weaknesses, you know, in certain positions. I feel like there is positions that he's maybe not familiar with, you know, and I'm trying to expose those, you know, so.
3: One thing he said, you know, it was right after the show, uh, kind of found your two finalists, but he said he's going to take your back and get the finish there. What what do you think about that? Because I saw some people in the show get to that position and they did not obviously get to finish, but what did you, you make of that?
1: I like the confidence, you know, we've seen a lot of people on the show have that same kind of confidence, you know, we had have Kourag have the same kind of confidence, and a bunch of stuff before, you know. A lot of people sit there and get to my back and finish I me, and you see a lot of people get there and they don't have that same ability. It's easier said than done. A lot of things in life is like that, so I like that, you know, I take the challenge on, I respect his ability to finish from the back, you know, so I respect it, but we're preparing yeah, for good. that as well, and good, good. I don't good. see that as any threat. Um... There's $10,000 on the line, uh, W&O contract for who's next. Is that factoring in that that's a, that's a big opportunity for somebody? Yeah, man, I love the, the $10,000 and I feel like the, the the contract, but it's just like the, it's not even about the money to me. It's just like all the blood, sweat, and tears, like I said before, all the training. It's like this is what this means, you know, like that W means more than that $10,000. Like money's cool, but money comes and goes, you know, it's just like. Getting that legendary status, you know, just getting some of your your hard work and seeing the results, you know, and that's one of it. Like, win or lose, you already got to this point, so it shows that what I'm doing is correct, but that's just like the little cherry on top, you know, and that's exactly what I want. I want that little nice bow on it, you know, so that's what this is about. You know, I want to finish strong, you know, I started 3-0, I want to get that 4-0. Kyle Chambers hunting that
2: legendary status. I think that's a great way to uh, to put it, and you can see that he's really focused on that task. July fourteenth, who's next finale? You're going to see Kyle Chambers versus Isaac Michelle It's the finale of the of the Tezos. Who's number one? The who's next? Submission Fighter Challenge Show. And I think that's something that we're very, very excited for. I know that you guys are excited for it after having seen all six episodes of the show and just having seen them work their way through those elimination matches. All, of course, no time limit submission only. And just to let you know, in case you weren't sure, this match between Kyle and Isaac will also be no time limit submission only. There is only one way to win. And that is to make your opponent tap out, just like on the show, this match on July 14th, no time limit. Can't wait for that one. Excited?
3: Can't wait. Yeah, huge incentive for uh, no time limit sub only for these guys to get it done quickly uh, at home. Make sure you order your pizza ahead of time. And uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's see what these two guys have to offer each other and the rest of us.
2: Well, that's pretty much it from today's show. A uh, lot of good jujitsu talk today. Uh, really appreciate everybody in the live chat for joining us for the conversation and uh, keeping things going here at Flow Grappling. Uh, we've got tons of match footage, got tons of interviews with top ADCC figures, everybody from the likes of John Danaher and Eddie Bravo to Gordon Ryan, Andre Galvao, many, many others, all the top athletes. We've got tons of ADCC training, interview footage we're highlighting classic matches from the last couple of editions of adcc we've got all this and much much more on flow grappling and we'll see you next week for another episode of grappling bulletin until next time